listeners, hello followers, welcome back to Mentally Sound's Life in Lockdown podcast series. We're at episode 51, um, so we've gone beyond uh, the great sort of milestone that we've had. Um, I hope that you enjoyed episode 50, uh, where we talked to Anita, Dr. Anita Raja, the GP, and uh, I thought it was quite fitting. Um, we were lucky as well, of course, but very fitting that we had... Uh, an Asian doctor come on uh, to talk about mental health, um, not just amongst the ethnic minority um, communities, which was the bulk of the conversation, but also as well um, amongst her um, healthcare NHS staff, staff, sort of you know her colleagues uh, and their welfare and mental health, because we know that was that's also been impacted, and that's how we kind of drew attention to one another, which is why she. Um, was very generous in donating her time. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast and I'll be releasing that on our social media very, very soon. For those of you that aren't aware, Mentally Sound is a podcast show. It was formerly a radio show, but Spice FM very kindly broadcast these podcasts and Spice FM is the radio station where we broadcasted our original radio shows from. Um, As a reminder, Mentally Sound is a mental health and mental well-being show. So if if you do hear anything that is a sensitive issue that might cause you flashbacks or might cause you any distress, we do urge you to go to your nearest crisis centre, uh, your nearest nurse, GP or therapist to get the help that you rightly deserve. My name is Ricky Thaman and I'll be your host for the next hour. As a reminder, if you're listening to us on Spice FM, which is the, the brilliant community radio station in the heart of the west end of newcastle we're on 98.8 fm if that's beyond your reach uh, just tap into spicefm.co.uk and uh, you can listen to us instantaneously you'll find a profile of not just the show but also myself and we go out on tuesdays at one o'clock in the afternoon and we have a repeat on saturdays at three o'clock and if you want to get in touch with the show we have an email address which is mentally sound at spicefm.co.uk if you want to be referred to uh, or get in touch with a guest that we've had on be it a therapist or a group that's helping to support people throughout lockdown um, you're more than welcome to do that and I'll pass on your details and of course your privacy and anonymity will be respected if you listen to us on our social media platforms uh, a reminder what they are on twitter at underscore mentally sound on Instagram, it's Mentally Sound Radio, and on Facebook, it's Mentally Sound Radio Show. And incidentally, it's on our Facebook um, header page, where you'll find all the archives of all the podcasts. As you say, this will be, you know, uh, very shortly be updated to episode all the 50 episodes. So, And under each one, you'll find all the relevant topics that we discussed. So things like anxiety, OCD, alcohol consumption, depression, social isolation, all those topics are there so you can click on the one which which you find is more relevant to you. Awesome. And uh, yes, just a reminder of the podcast platforms, which we could also listen to us from. So we're on a clip, which is spelt, which is spelt C-L-Y-P, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Breaker and Apple Podcasts. Super. And welcome to this show. And we've got a, another brilliant guest. Um, her name is Roshni Meher. I hope 
Well, we'll get on to the pronunciations of surnames. We had, we had a good chat about that earlier on. That's fine. Um, hi, there. hi, how are you, Roshni? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, it's been a great day, feeling great. The sun's out. Oh, cool. Well, my first question to all of our guests was going to be, you know, how are you and also, like, how are you? How have you been over the last 12 months on a mental health um, basis? But I think you've you've answered the first half of that, but... Um, in a nutshell, Roshni, or in a few, as many nutshells as you like, just um, how would you describe your sort of thoughts, feelings, well-being over, over the past 12 months of lockdown? Um, I would say up and down. Yeah. I don't think anyone really can just, you know, put it down to just one emotion. I mean, I felt um, frustrated, angry, happy, sad. Mm. You know, I think I can name all the emotions that I've been through yeah. uh, through this lockdown. Uh, loneliness, um, mm -hmm. gratitude, the list just goes on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, really cool answer given that um, I think you you give the proverbial sort of mixed bag of emotions, I think, which is what yeah. most of us can relate to. Um, Dan, we're in this current phase of easing and, and if all things go well... Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see how things develop, and and these podcasts will continue for the meanwhile. And of course, um, we're all aware of what may or may not happen, and there's you know sad news of what's going on in India with the new variants. But we'll we'll keep tabs and and see what occurs with that. Um, both my family and Roshni's families are you know we have um, extended families over in India, so you know we both had a chat about that. So we'll observe what happens. Um, so as as listeners are aware, I you know the the substance of these um, podcasts um, regarding mental health. You know, I always have uh, one or two guests per show, and we discuss all the various sort of subject matters around mental health, and hope to have a really good discussion, an informative discussion that that the people out there can you know relate to. So, um, Roshni, yes, um, what's brilliant about her was she actually got in touch, um, which is. I think, uh, you know, if you think back to our radio show, it was it was one aim that we tried to achieve rather than kind of us reaching out to having guests and inviting them. It's always it's always comforting and and I guess as well quite an achievement of sorts where, you know, people hear of us and hear of our show and actually invite themselves along, which is which is which is tremendous. You know, we always celebrate that. And Roshni's um, story, uh, the reason for her participation is really interesting. So um, she got in touch with the, the radio station, Spice FM, who forwarded her email on to me. And um, so she's a, she's doing a postgraduate a master's uh, field of study regarding the whole area of um, you know mental health, particularly not just the Asian community, but particularly the Indian uh, communities. And we talked about India just before there. Uh, we just mentioned that um, she's based at Leeds Trinity, um, so this is a field of study that she she wants to put some you know um, surveys out there, some questionnaires. We'll get onto that a little bit later on. My next question to you, Roshni, is this is really interesting, and it's a it's a part of a conversation that that I've been meaning to have on this podcast for for a long time, and of course myself and you we, we've already kind of put to world to rights, haven't we, in our sort of pre chats, but. Um, what led to you to this field and why do you feel that this is of importance to you? Um, right. Um, so, Ricky, I don't think we spoke about this. So um, I was actually working in China. Oh, okay. Um, so for the last five years, I 
was working in China. And then mm-hmm. in March 2020, I came back to the UK because, yeah. um, well, you know, COVID hit quite badly mm-hmm. in China. And then I came back to the UK thinking, oh, everything's going to be fine. But actually, the day that I got to the UK, I think that was the 20th of March 2020. Wow. That was the day that the lockdown, you know, came about. Can I ask and you? Then, can I ask you where you were about to were in China? Because I've been, I've been myself there. Were you? Oh, brilliant! Were you sort of in and around the impact zone at all, or were you? Um, um well, I mean, it's quite a vast country. So yeah. I was near Hong Kong. Okay. So it wasn't near um, mm. Wuhan, which is where the epicenter yeah. really where it started. But mm. I had friends who I was working with, so I was teaching out there. Yeah. Because it it began at Chinese New Year. Anyway, um. They went to Wuhan and I heard back from them on like the 30th of January saying that they were not allowed to leave, you know, Wuhan. They were basically under house arrest. The whole city had been um, boarded up. Mm -hmm. And um, so where I was and my school, it closed. Well, I wouldn't say permanently closed, but basically the government just issued uh, a warning that you know the kids' safety is paramount. Everyone needs to stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was a scary time because many of my international friends, like the ones from the USA or the UK, yeah. especially the ones with the families, mm-hmm. they left. And the reason I decided to stay on because I thought, oh, you know what? I think it might not last as long. You know, mm-hmm. because we were under lockdown and. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know China that well, but it's such a busy place. Like you see people everywhere all the time. And then the next day after there was a big announcement, like, don't leave your home. I went outside Mm -hmm. and it was like the day after tomorrow. It's as if something had happened, you know, an explosion had happened and there was no one. Mm -hmm. You could literally see plastic bags just flying around, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. no one there. It's quite a scary time. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why we haven't spoken about this. I know, I know. It was, it was like um, <laughs> we we put we put the world to rights, and yet we missed out that you were actually in China when it all kicked off. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, so then I came back to the UK, and I was like, yeah. okay, well, I'll do supply. Um, mm. I'll just go into schools here. And actually, I applied, and I was just told, sorry, we're not taking anyone because, well, one, it's lockdown, mm-hmm. and two, they didn't want new people coming in because of the restrictions Mm. so i you know i tried to apply through um agencies i emailed schools but i just had no luck Mm -hmm. and to be honest i was going going through a really low period because if you can just think it's such a massive change you know to be living in a uh, in an asian country for five years and then suddenly coming back and then having kind of no purpose yeah and i just became quite unwell I mean I started to have anxiety I was like oh I don't know what I'm going to do I don't have a job Mm -hmm. I'm back with my parents that's all that always gives me anxiety anyway just thinking of back about moving with them so I've got I've got I've got sort of um um if you don't mind me asking two quick questions um were you at any stage when it was all kicking off worried that you might get stuck out there that you weren't maybe allowed to fly out so and secondly um um on the back of that you mentioned the anxiety, and I was just wondering, 
do you did you have do you have a history of anxiety or did it all kind of manifest and develop as this situation was happening so to answer your first question mm -hmm. i um basically my landlord said you need to move out because you know the foreigners living in china at the time kind of had a bit of a bad rep not okay. all of them but you know i think some of the chinese people weren't sure what the future held and yeah. you know I, i don't want to speak negatively i'm just talking about my experiences mm -hmm. so he was like okay right you need to move out Uh, are you leaving the country i was like no i'd like to stay but yeah. anyway i wouldn't say he kicked me out but i felt safer being with my my f close friends yeah. who are from the usa so i just moved in with them you know just for a short while whilst mm -hmm. i was trying to figure things out mm -hmm. because i decided to leave the school and come back to the uk yeah so i booked at least four flights and every single flight got cancelled wow. this was I would say the end of February that mm -hmm. was when the British government kind of made the announcement that they would wanted many of the foreign teachers who were in China to come back to the UK. Yeah. And obviously, you know, they wanted they were concerned for our safety, so um yeah, that was one of the reasons mm -hmm. I moved back and secondly, yeah, I've never ever had anxiety. This was the first time mm -hmm. after, you know, covid uh the school being closed me yeah. moving in with my friends coming back to the uk not having a job so it all just triggered as a result of various mm -hmm. different things and mm -hmm. um, on the day that i was leaving i thought that my flight was going to be cancelled but actually it got rerouted to korea wow, and perfect. on the day that i got there they were like oh yes the virus has come to korea so i was like oh gosh i'm going to be stuck in seoul now for a while but mm. thank goodness it all worked out and it took a really long time to get back but um you had to catch a few flights let's just say rather than having that direct flight so um but anyway i made it <laughs> Wow, what a what a what a story. Um um yeah, yeah, I mean I mean in my 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 experience of China, yeah, I've been to Hong Kong as well and um oh, brilliant. There was yeah. a, there was a time where I was thinking could could this be a, um a future for me, you know, work-wise and so forth. Mm. Um I'm a very cosmopolitan place and and um Yeah, I mean so I wasn't in Hong Kong. Mm. I was on mainland China. Yeah. So it differs slightly. We mm. won't go go into how how things differ but mainland china is a lot different to hong mm. kong in my experience yeah you know, I agree. hong kong is very built up mm. there's um you know an essence of britishness mm. about it in a way you know it can be very european yeah. many people do speak in english but yeah you can get by with english yeah for sure yeah but yeah. mainland china i mean mm. you'd have you'd have to learn basic english yeah. i think if you were to live there long term mm. And I think yeah on I mean before before the pandemic there was a lot of political upheaval in mm, in and around yeah, Hong yeah. Kong and, and some parts of mainland China so it was like from one it was like one from one emergence to in, to another I mean but but who could foresee what how big the second one was going to be so wow yeah amazing um amazing start to that story so with that in mind as you as you came home um yeah. with as you mentioned your the, these anxiety feelings that you were kind of having 
Did that yeah. was that was that influential into this field of study that you wanted to explore? Oh, absolutely. I mm. I would say say you know my me going through the mental illness and having you know my own kind of counseling and therapy and really led me to where I am today. And I think in in a way, like I didn't think of it at, at the time, but I think it was a blessing in disguise, yeah. where I couldn't get a teaching job I was really lost and I was just like I need to talk to someone mm. where are the psychologists mm. and the, of course I don't want to badmouth the NHS they've been amazing so helpful but it took like six months for me to find someone to talk to because of COVID yeah there were so many people wanting to access the yeah. counseling services mm -hmm. It's a horrendous feeling. So and this this to literally led you to a kind of a career crossroads where oh yeah you noticed yeah. not not just with your own feelings but as you were observing um, all that was unfolding, also the fact that you that you weren't getting the the help that you kind of really were reaching out for, yeah. and and all and that was another influence in wanting to to do this study. Um, yeah. Well, it's like all things; these things came at once for you, didn't it? Well, that's why I kind of think it was a blessing in disguise. Like, you know, it was meant to be, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, and to be honest, I just really needed to, someone to talk to. And having friends there, um, which is brilliant, but sometimes you do need someone who has either gone through this or someone yeah. who has been educated in this field. Yeah. Because friends can talk to you, but... They don't always know what's best for you because they know you really personally. That's my opinion. Like, I love my friends and they're brilliant and they're very honest. But and the second thing is they don't always have time because a lot of them are married. They have their own kids. and yeah. Whereas with a therapist, it's like guaranteed an hour every week, you yeah. know. And that person is solely for you. Mm -hmm. Whereas with my friends, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've just taken up an hour of her time. You know, I mm -hmm. always felt kind of guilty for just talking about myself. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to become one of those people who could give my time to other people. I think when you talk to most people regarding these issues regarding career, and especially when they make that switch from, from something different from what they probably originally intended, there's often a story which um, um, influences that. And I think you kind of illustrated a good example of that so um so as, as this was happening and you end up um as you say you're at Leeds Trinity and you're, you're based in Leeds where, where you're talking to me from uh, right now and um yeah. um but you you specifically wanted to focus on the Indian community because you um noticed that there was something obstructing uh our community from from talking about mental health let alone getting help for our mental health. Um, what were the signs that you noticed, Roshni? I'm, I'm quite curious as that as well, because, I mean, I can talk forever as what, I, what I've witnessed myself. Um, and I, I've yeah. got a feeling, I know, I know what you're going to say anyway, because we already talked about it, but um, yeah. describe the kind of like what you were seeing and you felt that needed, that needed to be, you know, um, all the murkiness around the community, around mental health in our community needed to be cleared. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've raised a really good point. I mean, initially, so I, one thing, the first thing that I noticed was 
and I don't mean to be generic and I'm not trying to generalize but as soon as I you know I had a therapist or the GPs were of Indian origin yeah and that was the first thing that I noticed they were very um forward thinking they you know prescribed the medication and they said oh you know you can um, access CBT mm-hmm. however as soon as I started to kind of research a bit more into psychologists or therapists I did not see many um, people of Asian origin mm. you know many people who I spoke to were of British origin which is fine but in my head I just kept thinking where are they I mean the doctors are of Indian origin um, I see hospital staff of it's a, yeah, it's a weird um, yeah you're right it's a weird juxtaposition isn't it because whilst we have um, a good healthy supply of Indian doctors um, well well in doctors of Indian heritage at least um, doing tremendous work in the NHS and Absolutely. and help helping us talk more about our mental health but when it comes to the actual patients um, the the people of a community are quite obsolete from there aren't they yeah, so that was the first thing that I noticed. And when I started my course, I didn't really know, you know, I think the more I researched into um, psychology and counselling, the more I did not see people like me. And mm. in a way that inspired me, mental yeah. illness is yeah. just as important as physical health, you know, a physical illness. Mm. And um I'm doing my thesis at the moment and I'm concentrating on um, attitudes towards the mental health services because mm-hmm. as you've just said Ricky I mean absolutely you're completely right that there are doctors and staff um, in, in, um, in the NHS where the heritage is India mm-hmm. but then when it comes to actual mental health I don't see many Indians or Asians in general yeah. and that's one of the things that has inspired me to take this research on, you know, just to see what is the attitude towards mental health. You know, mm-hmm. the people, especially first generation Indians like my granddad, mm-hmm. you know, what are they thinking towards this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the beginning of my. So when you when you outlined and um, you forwarded your 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 field of study or topic, you know, uh, in this yeah. sort of specific Towards your um, lecturers, um, what what sort of um, responses did you get? Did you, did they were they kind of receptive? You said, yeah, this is really good, or were they were they in a way kind of asking you questions as well as to, that they were perhaps more as as curious as what you were? Um, to be honest, I could not have gotten more support. They, right. I before I even spoke to my supervisor, so her name's uh, uh, Laura Depreto at Leeds Trinity. Um, before I even spoke to her, yeah. um, uh, like we had a conversation, I sent her a little message saying, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm thinking of um, learning a bit more about attitudes of Indian people and in, you know, um, towards mental health." And she was like, "I'm happy to supervise this. I've got all the ideas. I can't get you. I can't wait to get started. I'm going to supervise you." So, you know, we have a chance to talk to the person who we would like to supervise us yeah. and she was that eager and mm-hmm. even my um, personal tutor and even you know the people on the ethics committee I've had so much support because they know that this type of research is worth something it's so valuable yeah. they want more people to do it and I don't know how many students are doing it but mm-hmm. 
I, I think at my university, um, I, I am the only Indian person on my course, actually. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just about to go in for ethics approval, but my supervisor has said, you're not going to have any problems. Like, you know, it's a straightforward thing. That sounds promising, doesn't it? To do. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, they are so supportive. Mm -hmm. And I think they themselves, they know how novel this is and they want to make it, like they would like me to make a difference, you know. That's mm -hmm. why they're supporting me. Super. Well, Roshni, we've reached halfway in this podcast. Um, what I'll do is I think we will take a little break for a few seconds and then we'll we'll rejoin for part two. Um, very, very kind of intriguing um, conversation that we're having. I, I feel that I'm... Um, in a way, you've, you're enabling me to get a lot off my own chest um, by, by you know, the, 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 the topics and issues that you're wanting to explore specific because I've been passionate about this for a long time and um, I, oh, I, it's, it's nice to know that I've got an ally finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So listeners, we're just going to pause. Uh, we're gonna, you're going to hear some music for a few seconds and you'll join us again for part two. So stick around. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of um, episode 51 of Mentally Sounds Life in Lockdown podcast series. Um, really, really informative discussion I felt in the first part with our guest, Roshni, who's doing a, a postgraduate master's in the field, field of study regarding mental health amongst the Indian community in this country, which I think, uh, it, rightly so, deserves some um, a spotlight to be shone upon that. Um, so I'm, you know... It's a conversation which I've been wanting to have a long time. I've had it with quite a limited capacity before, so it's great that on the, this podcast that we're able to explore and and push the field a bit more. So, um, thanks for sticking with us, Roshni. Um, I would like to ask you now, on the tail end of what you were, the point you were making before we took the break, um, I was wanting to ask you. You know, we were quite generic about the Asian community, you know, in this country in general. But what do you think, in your opinion, it sets the specifically the Indian community apart from other Asians? Do you think there's, are we talking stereotypes here? Are there certain reinforcements which perhaps prevent us from speaking out compared to our other, you know, Asian brothers and sisters? Yeah, I mean... I can't talk about other communities. I can just talk mm. about my experiences yeah. and what I went through. I mean, so I think when I was going through my um, anxiety and things, I, one of the things that my mum kept saying to me was she's very superstitious. Mm -hmm. So she was like, oh, you know, someone's put some kind of uh, a bad curse on you or something and you know, I mean, my we're talking, we're talking karma, aren't we? Which, which is yeah, something, which absolutely. is something I've been exposed <laughs> exposed to myself. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so, if I talk about some of my Chinese friends, they, you know, their families are similar, living in China. You know, if I think they're under a lot of pressure to have quite a a status, you know, it, it's all about face. They call it losing face. And again, I'm not talking about everyone, just the, you know, three or four friends who I have. 
And one thing that they say in the Chinese culture is that, you know, you need to kind of appear to have everything organized, have everything sorted. You know, you don't want to appear to another person that you are having mental problems. Mm. You don't want to appear to another person that you are struggling with something. If you are, you just kind of keep it to yourself. And I felt that was very similar to my own family and my own community and culture. So it's quite, everything's quite reserved is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, you know, if you're going through mental health problems, you can take the tablets. That's it. You know, you don't need to tell anyone about it. You don't, if you do need to go to a therapist, then we don't really need to talk about it. Um, If people do it in secret, okay, well, that's their business, you know. I think one thing that I noted that's a positive is that my family does take medication. That's mm-hmm. really good. They are good at taking medication, but it's just talking about what you're going through is an absolute no-no. Yeah. It was for me anyway. It was just like, well, you look fine. You're fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's like having one of your your bad days but then when every single day becomes a bad day and that every single week becomes a bad week and then before you know it it's like oh it's two months on and I'm still feeling the same way Mm -hmm. after those two months and that's when you know you've you've got serious problems basically Mm -hmm. so um where do you think the comparison lies as regards to when when our community talks about for example our our physical health because Mm -hmm. um I know, I know in my own family, um, certain physical um, conditions, you know, what, probably the, the most common one is, mm. is something like diabetes. So, um, yeah. you know, that has a lot to do with our, with our lifestyle, our diet, for diet, example, yeah, our, our routines, you know, how much exercise we do, which is probably not on a good ratio compared to our, you know, the other communities in, in our society. And it's and again, referring to the Indian doctors, I think they're really crucial in in helping to change that. So, from what I notice, you know, physical health. Yes, we, our communities do talk about it, albeit on a very kind of um, slightly reserved, kind of ring fenced way. And the, yeah, they'll mention it. You know, of course, if you're recovering from, uh, you know, from being in hospital for for something you of course it's not it's it's not exactly something you can really hide um and if you're recovering from things be it uh, heart attacks strokes that kind of thing i mean so when i think about that if we're quite reserved about talking about our physical health then then in comparison to talking about our mental health it's it's an even harder uh nut to crack isn't it oh yeah absolutely I mean, so I was recently talking to an expert and um, she is of um, Pakistani origin, actually. um, Mm. And she's a professional. And she was saying that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the word cancer in the Indian community was a taboo. Mm. People would say things like, oh, so-and-so is not well. So-and-so is in hospital. So-and-so's family needs prayer. But, you know that word cancer has now become the norm mm-hmm. or the word diabetes is the norm or we can talk mm-hmm. about stroke and heart attack point, and yeah. all those things. Yet when it comes to mental health, there's such a stigma. Yeah. There's a taboo that mm. I think it's because you cannot physically see it. it it's 
it's mentally mm. there and when it comes to mental things because you appear to look fine people just assume that you are fine in mm. a way that's a really good point i mean yeah i remember when we when we first um had our chat over zoom and you mentioned the the com- comparison to something like cancer and um yeah. ridding ridding the shame of it um as you yeah. rightly say it is it is part of the normal narrative now and um and yeah and it took time to do that so it kind of begs the question how long it'll take to do that to how long to achieve it with mental health but we hope that obviously um it'll be sooner rather than later um is yeah. there any is there anything else that you can pinpoint to our stereotypes within our culture that perhaps makes it even harder i mean we talked about physical health you know we talk about the yeah. I, I don't think the indian diet is particularly the most healthiest in the world um we don't often you don't often see a lot of <laughs> Uh, Indian out there, Indians out there running. And I think there's a lot of people going to gyms and stuff. So maybe it's just me or what I can see visually. But, you know, I, I go out jogging and, you know, where I live, I'm the only kind of person of colour running, really. So, But I don't know how many of of, of, of my colour live around here. I, I live in a very kind of... um, uh, An estate where it's kind of, you know, 2.4 children sort of thing, people quite reserved. Right. So I don't know, maybe I'm being judgmental. So I'm, maybe I'm guilty of being judgmental as well. But yeah. what 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 other aspects to our culture do you think plays plays a part in, in, in what we're trying to um, tackle? I think, you know, the, the community and the family unit. And I feel that, for example, my family, they worked incredibly hard all their lives they like my grandparents they came over they're in india and then africa and then came over here they had such hard lives they worked hard so that we could have a better life we could have an education Mm -hmm. and now through their the community they have a kind of status Mm -hmm. it's like right so we need to appear this way to let them know that we are fine there is nothing yeah, wrong with, with that, them. Yeah. We've worked hard. Um, it's a sign of weakness to be able yeah. to say, I'm going through something, you know, which is mental. Mm. If it's a physical thing, okay, yeah. oh, well, we can't control physical things like stroke. Oh, it happens. Okay, let's yeah. get you the treatment you need. Let's get you the physio that you need. But when it comes to mental things, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but I just think No, it's I, know, I know what you mean. I mean... Um, I know what you mean. What I would add, add on to that, I think, is um, you're right. The, the, there's an incredible hard work ethic amongst um, mm. the Indian community. And it's to be commended, of course it is. You know, Absolutely, uh, yeah. And when you've worked hard and you've able to provide, um, put food on the table and provide a ring fence, you know, pro- provide a, a sense of security for your family, you know, going to decent schools and so on. Of course, that's yeah. to be commended. I think what we're trying to highlight to some extent is that there's a feeling of you know work hard um absolves you from every anything bad happening in a sense so so if you are feeling um mentally unwell if you are feeling the pressures if you are if you're on a situation be it you know that you're you're being dependent on a medication or if you're a victim of domestic abuse, you can't you can't even open up and admit to, to these things. I would also as well, I remember in a conversation we had 
Roshni, about um, the, another aspect of our culture, is, you know, regarding gender. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know how, it, again, it's a very kind of sad situation regarding um, our culture that, that sort of the, the boys, the men are seen as of a higher, um, you know, more of a, a rewarding, uh, more of a reward to, to a family, you know, a new family. I know that families that I know that when they've had a firstborn and it happens to be a daughter, it, it's often met sometimes with, oh, well, maybe next time yeah, you will get absolutely. that boy and... and and I, I just oh, I can't tell you how angry that makes me feel, because I know of, I've know of um, examples where that situation has led to the the mother developing postnatal depression because of that reaction, and it sets them off on oh, a road. Yeah. Of... I mean, if if that mother were fine, I would be surprised. I mean, considering how she has just been talked of and talked about and has been insulted, you mm. know. That's horrific. So, yeah, I mean, going back to our, yeah, I mean, of course, our ethic of, of wanting to, you know, ground ourselves and, and, and do well and, and looking after a family. Of course, that these are brilliant, but that doesn't mean you have to shy away from other things that will come along, which, of course, are, it, it which is very human. You know, mental health is human. Oh, yeah. You'd be wrong yeah. to deny or shy shy away from it. Um, yeah. I have a ton more questions to ask you, Roshni. I just want to swing you back what. Um, back to China because um, I'd like to ask you. So five years in China, I was just I was just curious as to um, you mentioned the reservations that similarly that they had to us. But what were their um, attitudes towards mental health that you may have picked up on? Did you notice it? And I also asked that question because you know we've had a recent spate of um, sadly around the world of you know attacks on. Uh, people of uh, Chinese persuasion are almost like a finger blame, finger pointing, blaming of where, you know, this crisis have evolved from. So in- inevitably, I think they're gonna suffer because of this, and, and you know, me- the mental health toll will will come along with that. But did you notice any features there amongst their communities regarding mental health? So their um, attitudes towards mental health, from my experience, were similar to how the Indians might feel. You know, like some people are quite open to it. You know, the, those who've had an education or those who have lived in, um, for example, in Europe or Australia, the USA, and those who are younger, they were more, you know, they were open-minded. Yeah. Whereas I saw that people like grandparents, they weren't so, they didn't really understand the concept. Mm-hmm. They just thought, oh, keeping busy mm-hmm. will make make you you know you'll be fine if you keep yourself busy um there weren't many mental health workers slash Mm. psychologists psychiatrists yes there were yeah but you know not so readily available like in the uk in my experience however Mm -hmm. because of covid a lot of things had started to change especially now like because i'm still in contact with people there um that things have had to improve because there were so many people who could not cope with, you know, the, the loneliness, not being able to travel to see family, mm-hmm. um, especially the younger people because yeah. they worked in offices and they were house arrest, so they couldn't yeah. go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think their attitudes were similar to how, mm-hmm. you know, for example, how my, my family and the older generation feel. But I think the younger generation were 
willing to talk about it but if you knew them well mm. you can't just go up to anyone and start talking about it because it, it's not really that common yeah. you know to talk about it so i would say attitudes are definitely changing and so much more positive and i try to talk to someone um and yeah i found it really hard that they couldn't find anyone really they were the foreign people um psychologists mm. were there who charged a lot of money but yeah. in terms of you know chinese people who were psychologists um that was quite rare actually it's something i would really like to um explore i guess on these podcasts regarding the mm. the anglo chinese community over here and how they're dealing with things because when you're and there's two things i want to talk want to mention here i mean we know how much something like racism can impact on mental health undoubtedly it does and I know yeah. with what they're going through now, I'll, I'll be curious to know how it's impacted them because already I've heard of um, um, throughout the world, I mean, even locally um, in Newcastle, I know that um, I think there were a couple of incidences at the colleges of, of anti, sort of anti-Chinese racism going on. But what That's I do so know, sad. yeah, it is. And I, and I know in, and I do know that they go through mental health because um, I'll give you a quick example. Um one of the brilliant guests that we had on on our radio show, I think, going back two, three years ago, um, was it was a group called the West End Befrienders, and um, who they were. They're now they're now part. They they now amalgamated with uh, another group called Search, which is um, uh, a group, a charity which um, looks after um, you know elderly um, people in the West End or elderly vulnerable people especially. But what was interesting, the West End Befrienders, was that they they were sort of Asian stroke Chinese because um, what the situation is, is that as our communities live in kind of multi-generational households and sometimes when the younger folk, you know, fly the nest or, you know, get job offers from elsewhere, they have to move sometimes abroad. And often the, the uh, older generations are left behind and, and you know, some of them can't speak the language or, or don't know how to get help. So this brilliant group go around and help help these um these generations uh, the older generations out, which I thought was brilliant, and and the, the Chinese are the Chinese um communities are, are, are of that as well. You know that the the older generations are left there to fend for themselves, and they don't often have help from their sort of younger the younger generation. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a close friend who is. She's from Beijing. She's mm. working there, but she came to Southampton yeah. a few years ago to do a master's, and that you know her being from quite a, a large well, I wouldn't say large, but you know living with parents and then her her brother and sister in law and nephew. The first thing that she noticed in the UK was that the older generation, you know, the elderly. Why aren't they living with their son? Why aren't they living with their yeah. daughter? Why is there no one helping them? And she was like, are there any charities where she can get involved with? And I was mm. like, that's brilliant. You know, when yeah. you live in the UK, you kind of become accustomed to this kind of life that, oh, well, some people who are elderly choose to live on their own. They don't mm. want to live with their children. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people from the Asian culture, they see that the elderly are so lonely and they want to make a difference mm. so the fact that you're speaking this way does not surprise me at all because they have such a heart for the elderly and they think that 
you know, they want to make a difference in their lives, even though they are a student and they're only here for for a year or so. Yeah, the the stereotypes, I think. Yeah, the stereotypes, I think, is changing, and it's like often assumed that that um, Asian people in general will stick to that multi generational um, household. But as I yeah. as I gave the example before, I think more and more of the younger. Um, kind of showing a bit more being a bit more ambitious when I say ambitious more ambitious that means that they're prepared to go the distance where they think that they can they they want their work to be you know if they get an offer they will go for it which means that they have to make that decision to leave to cut themselves off you know uh, fly fly the nest as it were so I think it is changing um, yeah. Roshni so back to we're, we're, we're approaching the end of this podcast so these last few minutes um going back to your to your study what what do you hope to achieve how are you going how are you going about to find the answers that you want i know that um one thing that you want to do is to put a survey questionnaire out there isn't it mm, yeah that's right and i've actually had the privilege of translating this survey into six different indian languages okay. so it's a, a professional survey um it's been it's been validated but it's been translated into bengali hindi um Gujarati, uh, Punjabi, Tamil, Malayalam. Um, yeah, I don't know which language am I forgetting. There must be another one. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons I was insistent that I have this translated was because I want to reach the people who are hard to reach, you know, the people who might not necessarily speak in mm. English, like my grandparents. They do. But when it comes to reading and writing, they're not always that confident. Yeah. So, um, and also, I don't want to just focus on one area of of the Indians, you know, just not just one region. I yeah. wanted to kind of look at all different walks um, from the Indian population who are living in, in Britain, whether it's the first generation or second or third or fourth or so forth or, mm. you know, anything really and I'm just looking at what their attitudes towards mental health are mm. and just wanting to see um, and find out what their thoughts are and then hoping and um, we'll get some really good data from this and try to make changes mm. yeah and uh, of course I'm, I'm happy to share that um, question yeah, on, our, on, our, on our social you. media so um and I'm sure Spice FM would be willing to do that as well. Um, without giving too much away, um, yeah. for those people listening who are interested but might be a little bit hesitant about about doing this, I mean, what kind of things can you? Uh, obviously, you know, privacy and anonymity would be respected. But what what things can you promise them in terms of um, the sorts of things that they can answer with 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 full confidentiality and 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 um, and what what eventually will be beneficial to to answering the sort of questions that you want? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is completely anonymous. The you know names details will not be asked at all. Um, even if the person who is taking part, they will be given an information sheet before they even begin, okay. explaining you know the procedure. And even when they take part and think, you know what, I want to pull out, they still have two weeks to do that, even after they've completed the survey. Yeah. Um, what I'm hoping to get through this is that I'm trying to gauge how they feel about mental health services. And if 
I get so many people who only do the survey in Tamil. That tells me that we need more Tamil counsellors. We need yeah, more Tamil psychologists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if only the younger generation complete the questionnaire, it tells me I need to reach people who are older. God, it, it, it's it's like a, it's like one of those light bulb moments I've just had because, of course, one of the things which is obviously a barrier towards um, mental health is language. Absolutely, uh, and know, that's one of the reasons. Why did it? Why did it take us towards the end of the podcast to realize that? We were made <laughs> to realize that. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, of course. I mean, yeah. that's probably one of the issues which, which um, you know, puts people off, or at least puts people hesitant towards wanting to answer because they don't feel that uh, the questions put towards a, another language or generic language fully answers what they potentially might want to really want to tell. So if you have a counsellor, if you have someone like yourself putting putting those questions across in a more detailed sort of way in which you'll fully understand, of course, you the chances of getting the right answers, of course, is, is a lot higher, isn't it? Obviously. Yeah, and, you know, they might be speaking in, um, for example, Gujarati, but if the survey is given to them in Hindi, just yeah. because that's the national language of India... That mm. I still don't think that's good enough. I mm. think you need to be given what you need. You know, so if you are Gujarati, you speak Gujarati, you write Gujarati, you need to be mm. given a Gujarati survey. Just yeah. because you say that you can understand Hindi, mm. that doesn't mean that we should be giving you the Hindi survey. And I think that's what happens in a lot of the NHS fields that people say, oh, well, I speak Urdu. But mm. then they get, get someone who speaks in, in Punjabi or Hindi and that's yeah. there's variations. It's not the same. Mm. I mean, and language, especially language that is your mother tongue, is just so important. Mm. So having the variations in language, I mean, so for example, I speak Gujarati, but if someone said, oh, well, how about this person interprets for you in Hindi? I'd be able to kind of get the general gist of it, but I wouldn't understand fluently unless that person was speaking to me in Gujarati. And this is why I'm hoping to get these services, you know, hoping that men, this will come out through the survey, that we need yeah. more people who are fluent in a lot more Indian languages mm. to work for the NHS. <laughs> I'm hoping that when you get the get the the data that you'll you'll come back on and share with us because I think it'll be really interesting. Do you have any? Oh yeah. Do you have any sort of? Um, I know you're kind of um, you you're leaving an open mind as to the kind of answers that you might expect, but do you have any sort of? Um, I hope this is. I hope this is a not an unfair question, but do you do you feel that you might see some patterns where? specifically regarding all the different Indian groups that you might see some um, uh, certain patterns of answers. For example, you might find that, I don't know, Punjabis may be uh, a bit more open maybe. I know that Punjabis sometimes gets a stereotype that we happen to be big drinkers and so forth and so forth. Or yeah. Are you kind of half expecting some sort of um, so, things like that? Yeah, I mean... I can kind of share what my um, what my predictions are. Yeah. Can't share too much because I'm not that. Kind of, you know, well, anyway, so something like you know, if if the person is of an older generation, yeah. they may not be not everyone, but they may not be 
as open-minded as someone who has been educated and brought up in the UK and has a, a university degree, okay. let's just say. Yeah. So something like that. And then um, or things like they might some women might think in this way, some men might think in this way. These are kind of my predictions. Or if you are this age, yeah. you might you know answer in this way. If you speak this language, yeah. you might say this. Mm. So without giving too much away, it's kind of just seeing if those predictions are correct okay. and how to sort of close that gap. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, last couple of questions. Um, um, what what in regards to deadlines do you have? Have you got um, how 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 long do people have left? I know that. That that you'll give me the 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 details for me to share like later on, but yeah, but what yeah. are your what are your deadlines in terms of time that you hope to have all this information by? Yeah, I mean, I've I've got most of the summer really, so okay. people will have time, you okay. know, um, to get. So I'm just I've sent my um my application in just for approval, and then mm -hmm. as soon as that's done, the link will be made available to yourself and to various organizations i mean i can't tell you how interested a lot of the indian organizations are you know the businesses and i was so surprised and really pleased because it seems like many people especially in the indian community want to make a difference okay. and they want to see especially because of covid the mental health attitudes have certainly i would yeah they've improved um so yeah i mean i think in about may hopefully i should be getting the link and then people will ha will have may june maybe even july yeah i mean that that's another good point because i think on the back end of covid and of course we're still in technically in a lockdown that yeah. the amount of grief that our community has gone through i think um yeah, yeah. you know undoubtedly there's there's a mental health impact so i, I think you'll, you'll get absolutely It'll be interesting what feedback you'll have regarding that bit. So awesome. And what the good news is that you agreed to come back um, along with um, possibly the, the, the doc, the GP that we had in our previous podcast, because I think uh, it'll be a good three way conversation to have and, and share your findings or and you, I think you'll gain some insight from our GP. So I, I'm looking forward to yeah, doing that. Look, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Cool. I'll get that arranged. Awesome. So. If there's anyone out there who wants to get in touch with you, um, are you willing to give any details out, or do you want to just come? Just want to keep it for the survey for now. Um, oh no, no. I mean, I can email you. Well, I can send you my email address if anyone's interested. Happy to answer any questions. Um, mm -hmm. Do you yeah, want to? Do you no, want to read out your email address out on there, or do you want to? Keep... <laughs> um. Yeah, I can. I mean, it's a bunch of long numbers. Sorry about that. Go on, we've everyone, got time. I've got Go to on. use my university email address. Don't worry. So um so it's two zero one four eight four one at Leeds Leeds Trinity dot AC dot UK. Okay. Is that uh, is that um I don't think I've seen an email address that's all numerical from uh, is that is that well, a universe? That's my, my student number. Right, I've okay. Is that, that how university. is that how it is? Is that how it is, is it, Monks? Yeah, that that that's I'm student number two zero one four eight four one that's what number I have. Well, so, I've I've um, learned I've learned quite a few things tonight, and that's that's one of them. Wow. So, <laughs> was brilliant. Yeah. So. Excellent. So we've reached the end of this podcast. So we'll wrap it up there. Um, 
Thank you, Roshni, for 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 generously uh, giving us your time. Uh, thanks you no, for thank you for getting in touch with us to um, expand your study. Um, Sandy mm. um, of Spice very kindly put us both in touch, so thanks to him yeah. as well. Thank you, listeners, for joining us, and uh, hope you'll join us next week for some more mentally sound life in lockdown podcast series. If you're listening to us on Spice FM, stay tuned for the next show. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Uh, more importantly, take care of your mental health. Um, goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, Roshni. Thank you very much. Bye.